Welcome to Backroom Talk. We had a webinar this morning mm-hmm. on productivity, which is where this topic is coming from. We're talking efficiency versus effectiveness. When we say efficiency, we're saying get getting more done in less time. Yeah. How many productive hours out of 40 do you actually have in a week? And the number is like, stagger, like staggeringly low. Mm-hmm. Effectiveness, uh, we're prescribing things that work for our clients. Um, or we're communicating really well with our clients and building really good relationships. So to listen to more Backroom Talk, be sure to subscribe. Learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com. Well, guys, welcome to another episode of Backroom Talk. I am Georgia here with Carl. Carl, how are you today? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty good. We're filming a little bit later than we usually do. We are. It's but the I'm, afternoon. I'm hanging out. I have wet hair. Yeah, you've for anyone you just got out of the pool. I did. I went for yeah. a lunchtime swim. Yep. That's not true. I just have good personal <laughs> hygiene and I showered after BJJ. Georgia showers every 90 minutes. Yes, yes. Fun just, fact. Uh, I'm disgusted by myself <laughs> and I feel the need to... Uh, Get off of uh, anyway, we'll move on from that. Yeah, definitely. We we did a webinar this morning. But I'm good. How are you? Oh, very well. I didn't well. ask you how you, I, I'm I didn't doing ask great. you, how you a, were. You don't have to. I feel like people do that. They're like, whole, how are you? I'm good. How are you? But I don't think I asked you that prior to, so I'm actually interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Doing good? Doing very well. We, uh, we hit a webinar this morning mm-hmm. on productivity, which is where this topic is coming from. We're talking efficiency versus effectiveness today, but I, I love this topic. It's a fun one to talk about, so yeah. uh, I'm good because I'm excited for the next 60 minutes or so. All right, let's do it. Yeah, so uh, efficiency versus effectiveness. Before we get into like the meat of the conversation and essentially walk through the pros and cons of efficiency, the pros and cons of effectiveness and what it means to kind of meet in the middle and find the sweet spot, I think we should define those two terms. Like mm-hmm. what does it mean to be an efficient coach? What does it mean to be an effective coach? Yeah. Could you take a shot at what those might be? Yeah, definitely. Um, as it relates to coaching, I think when we say efficiency, we're saying get getting more done in less time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of effectiveness, uh, we're prescribing things that work for our clients. Um, or we're communicating really well with our clients and building really good relationships. So effectiveness is, um, gosh, it's it's relative to what the coach wants that thing to be um, an effective process coaching process might be different from you know me to you or you to someone else so I think effectiveness just depends on uh, who the coach is but I would just pare it down to like you're giving really good prescriptions that work for your clients and you're retaining those clients through good relationships yeah I mean both pieces both efficiency and effectiveness are relative right like every coach has to figure out where they want to sit on both I think like we both pretty confidently and uh proudly say that we believe the OPEX method that we teach to coaches in CCP is the most effective way to get client results uh for you know personal fitness goals but is it the most efficient way Mm -hmm. to coach someone no like there's definitely faster ways to coach someone they Mm -hmm. just might not be as effective Yep. So it's uh, it's interesting to think about the trade-offs you get from both and where you want to fall. And hopefully this conversation will help some people figure out where they want to sit on that efficiency, effectiveness spectrum. Yeah, and that's why we're so biased to the, the conversation of how can we be more efficient, right? How can we do more in less time? Because, you know, coaching an individual isn't the most efficient thing. You know, imagine if we were group coaches and that's all we did and we just bled that stuff. We would probably never have conversations around efficiency because it is what it is. People come in, they hit the workout, and they leave. And then another group of people come in, they hit the workout, and they leave, right? So, you know, we're, we're, we're punching in. We're there for that, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, one hour, however long that class is or that thing is. 
and we're leaving, right? We get to start talking about efficiencies inside of that, but that's a totally different conversation. You're still spending the same amount of time coaching those people. So yeah, I think uh, just because of what we do um, and how we coach people and how we teach our coaches to coach people, we have to always be thinking about how much time are we spending doing these things? Because in reality, time is money. Um, time is money. And sometimes spending too much time on one thing or one task can be- become kind of um, tiresome, right? And with tiresomeness comes burnout, right? So I think the efficiency conversation is important for coaches to at least think about to avoid getting to that spot where they're like, gosh, I coach 80 hours a week, right? I'm like, I'm working with 30 clients and I'm 80 hours a week on, whether I'm on the gym floor or I'm, you know, program designing, wherever the case is. So yeah, efficiency is so biased to our model, but I think it's important for us to always think about. Definitely. Well, let's dig into efficiency first. So the pros of efficiency, I mean, the first one is pretty obvious, right? You can coach more people and make more money if you're more efficient in that process. Like imagine the difference between having 20 clients and taking five minutes to program for them versus having 20 clients and taking 20 minutes to program Mm -hmm. for them. Which coach is going to be busier? Which one is going to be closer to capacity? Obviously the one that's taking 20 minutes per client. So if they can get their program design time down, their communication time more effective, the total time they're spending on each client per month down, it's going to allow them to grow from 20 to 25 to 30 to 35, maybe up to 50 or beyond for some coaches. So at the end of the day, the way that we get paid as OPEX individual design coaches is by the client. Like mm-hmm. you have to coach more clients to make more money. So uh, you don't have to, you could uh, keep in- increasing your prices, but there yeah. is a ceiling on that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah for some coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For some coaches, there's the ceiling is so freaking far away is that's, that's what they need to be focused on for others that are like, you know, they have a $400 price point. Uh, they're coaching 30 clients. They want to coach 50 at that same price point or like incrementally increase that price point over time. For that coach, I would start to think about um, this thing, right? Like if I coach more people, I'm going to make more money. So for that person that's at 30 and wants to get to 50, uh, that's a pro uh, in terms of being more efficient. Um, You spend less time per client. That quote unquote scales you up a little bit. Um, And being able to coach more of those clients and make more money. I think the goal, um, and I don't want to put, you know, people that are listening to this podcast, I don't want to like slap this goal on everyone, but I think a goal for most coaches is I want to make more money. I want to have more impact without spending a lot more time doing it Um, because time is an infinite, right? Like we only have so much of that per day and believe it or not, as humans, we have other interests outside of coaching humans. Even if you're a full-time coach and you're all in, you might have a family, you might have friends, you might have hobbies, you might have things that you want to do. You might enjoy doing fitness yourself. Um, So yeah, I think, that person that's looking to coach more people, I don't think they're looking to uh, 2x the amount of people they're coaching and also 2x the amount of time that they spend coaching that person. Absolutely. I do think something uh, important to think about is deciding how many people you want to coach. And this was a question we asked on the webinar today. And I do love that most people had an answer. Like they knew yeah. right away in that chat box what their like goal number of clients was. Maybe some of them were just like pulling it out. But I'm guessing uh, most of those coaches <laughs> had hope, thought hope about that just, before. Hope they weren't just pulling it out. But. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> too but no i think there's a as human nature with human nature there can be this desire to always grow always have more always do more and the same thing goes for the number of clients you have Mm -hmm. right like it might be tempting to think i want to coach 100 clients just because 
it sounds like a big far off number and keep yeah. working towards that. But sitting down, doing the maths, figuring out, okay, what do I make per client at the moment? How many clients am I coaching? How many clients do I need to coach to get to the financial goal that I want to hit to feel secure and safe? What is that? And working off that number versus yeah. just saying, I want to coach more full stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would encourage more coaches to think about how they can coach less people and make more money. Yeah. Um, and I know that has nothing to do with efficiency, but um, just as a, a little bit of a thought experiment, it's like, you know, how can you give your clients an even better service, retain a higher percentage of your clients and increase price points every year, every contract renewal at, an, at a more aggressive rate and coach less people and eventually make more money. Um, that's when I, when I think of like, you know, the goal for most coaches, um, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's like, I want to, I've never heard a coach say, I want to impact 2000 people. That's why I'm doing it through individual design. You might indirectly impact 2000 people, but we're not coaching 2000 individuals. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll get some people that throw out crazy numbers like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to scale to this. I want growth means this to me and all of that. And it's like, I think most coaches say that. Uh, because that's what they heard. They think they should believe that. They think if uh, you know you're if you're not growing, you're dying, and all that. There's other ways to grow than uh, just adding more clients to your roster. Definitely. Well, to stay on track, let's keep talking about some of the <clears throat> pros of being more efficient. So next up would just be feeling more accomplished. It feels good to get more done in the day versus to spend a whole lot of time spinning your wheels on the same thing. Right? It just yeah. feels good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. I think we're both on the same page here it's like we're not we're not clock inners and clock outers right uh we don't work against the clock uh we don't say no matter what i'm working from nine to five i don't care how accomplished uh, or how many things i get accomplished in those hours i know i have to be there anyway right uh the coach should feel the same way right it's like you know if you can if you can coach your clients whatever that means program design talk to them communicate whatever that is if you can do that really effectively in two hours instead of four hours, who the heck wouldn't want to do that? So, yeah, I mean, I think we'd all feel a lot more accomplished if we can get more done in a, a, a smaller time period, right? There's uh, some pretty interesting surveys out there on, like, office workers who work, like, a typical nine to five, like 40 hour work week on like how much work they're actually getting done. Like how many productive hours out of 40 do you actually have in a week? And the number is like stagger, like staggeringly low. Mm -hmm. It is crazy how low that number is and how much time people are spending trying to look like they're busy, Yeah, you know, sending emails, <laughs> having like unimportant meetings. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing goes for coaches, right? It's like, there's not... Th old culture would suggest that we have to be glued to a desk working for a certain amount of time to be productive. But I think newer culture is saying that's not the case. Get the work done. Um, be proud of what you put out in the, in the universe. But if you can do as good a job in less time, kudos to you. Now yeah. go on and do something else that you enjoy or take mm -hmm. some downtime. So uh, I think adopting that mindset of more time isn't actually better is yeah. uh is beneficial yeah definitely and for people listening be really careful right <laughs> that doesn't mean george is not saying uh you can get the same 100 percent of you can get the same amount of work done in half the time that's not the case for everyone um if you find yourself you know twiddling your thumbs and trying to be busy or just like going off right like if you're behind your computer and you're like oh this block is meant for uh communicating with my clients and you find yourself like browsing amazon for 30 minutes it's like uh yeah you need to you need to dial that stuff back but um 
that just reminded me of when you said like the survey thing, uh, the four day work week thing that's, that's kind of going around uh, the world right now where there's a lot of companies that are experimenting with that. And a lot of these companies are seeing a lot of really positive things in terms of productivity increasing. But I would venture to guess, and this I'm guessing because they didn't lay this out in any of the articles that I read, but I bet those companies just, the people inside of those companies were, like if we had like a positive or a a, um, productivity scale of like zero to 100, those companies' employees may have been on like the 30s. They may have been in the 30s and then they're like four days, like, okay, I'm more engaged. And then they bumped up to like 60. Um, But I think there's, you know, I don't think that's always the case. I thought about that for us. I'm like, would we be more productive in four work days than we are in five? And I'm like, I don't think we would because we're pretty damn productive, right? It's like we're we're not just like wasting time. Um, well, sometimes we waste time, but not all the time. Yeah, you need a little time wasting here or there on a yeah, Friday yeah. afternoon. But it's not wasting. It's, uh, it's building connection. better relationships, Moral, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, that's interesting. It is. Yeah. Uh, I think another pro of efficiency is that it forces you to honor the basics, to not get too fancy, to not overcomplicate this fis- this fitness thing that's uh, actually less complicated than we love to make it. Yeah, man. That's a pro, right? Yeah. Less overthinking um, because you don't have time to overthink. Yep. Um, I think it could be a slippery slope. I'm like so negative, right? I think it could be a slippery slope as well. Agreed. When coaches are like, I am going to be so basic where I actually move away from an individually designed program because I'm just like principles and it's just like you're not even like you know looking at the person and what they've done and you know you're not really communicating with them and you're just like you're in a rush to get you know the program design done so you can say I finished that in seven minutes right instead of like taking 10 and getting it done really effectively I know I'm moving forward but um, getting it done effectively So I think there's a balance there with everything, but I think there's a balance there. There definitely is. I think when it's positive is, again, when it forces coaches to not waste time Mm -hmm. on, again, the superfluous stuff. But like you said, it can be not beneficial if it forces you just to fast track the stuff that actually matters. Yeah, definitely. And you and I have kind of had this conversation a little bit um, in our own practices, you know, where we don't coach a bunch of people, but we still coach people. And, you know, efficiency is not even a priority for me. I have a block a couple times a week that I coach people and I have way more than enough time to do it. So I spend a little bit more time than um, I would have to if I coached, you know, 3x the amount of people. But the difference is if I had to 3x the amount of people like I've been there before so I could like revert back to those days of like having to be really efficient. Um, And yeah, so I just spend a little bit more time on those clients because I don't know, it's I have the time blocked out and I like, I want to go a little bit deeper. Right. Absolutely. Um, so sometimes that stuff is, well, for me it's fun because it's not what I'm doing all day, every day. So it's almost like a little bit of a, a getaway from the normal day to day. Completely agree. When efficiency isn't the priority, you don't have to feel like you're working against the clock, which yeah. even if you're doing something you enjoy can become a little bit stressful. Yeah. Other pro of efficiency would be more consistency from client to client. So this comes from having efficiencies and systems in your coaching practice. Just because you're doing something really quickly doesn't mean that you're going to be more consistent. But chances are, if you are working on efficiency, you're doing things like you're in CoachRx, you're using the standard intake form and process there, you're following body move and work, you're laying out your long-term planning to make sure you've got that organized for the year, you're using the daily plan to organize like that actual design 
online. Mm -hmm. So chances are the client is going to have a more consistent experience because you as a coach are systematizing for the sake of efficiency. Yeah, for sure. Good point though. Um, Just because you're uh, consistent from client to client doesn't mean that you're not like giving those clients a good service. Um, So there's obviously drawbacks to, you know, bare bones, like, well, everyone gets the same thing, which is nothing versus everyone gets the same thing. Everyone, you know, they have, they know what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, their, their FMEs are updated. Uh, there's communication through the platform, all of those things. So yeah, the consistency from client to client would equal in my mind that coach has a system that they're working against. So yeah, I definitely think that's a pro to being efficient. Very much so. And uh loss pro really is just having more time for other things that could yeah. ultimately enhance your coaching practice. Mm-hmm. If you have more time to spend on education, on self-reflection, on setting goals for 2022, on all of these things that we might do, mm-hmm. our own fitness practices, you're probably going to be a happier person a more content person and maybe a better coach because of that too. Yeah. This isn't just for coaches though, right? Like this last point, this last point is for everyone, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, I assume everyone has a focus that, uh, you know, they're, they're thinking about most of the day, uh, whether it pays them or not. Um, You have to have time away from that focus. And I think it, it, it clears your brain a little bit. Um, And you start to see that focus in a new light uh, when you have the opportunity to clear your brain. Um, that's with like, you know, stay at home mom and dads, right? It's like, they're just focused on their kids all day, every day. And then they get like two days of just like, you know, family member takes over and then they come back and they love their kids even more. And they like see things a little bit differently and they smell things a little bit differently and all that. It's the same with coaching, of course. Right. Um, and I'm not saying like, you know, we should have like these scheduled, you know, one month vacations every couple months or something like that, but we do need to be efficient in our practice so we have time to do other things, even if it does relate to um, our coaching practice like education and things like that. But I think it's so important for people to just unplug from that thing, even if they enjoy that thing. Especially, I think it is especially hard though when you do enjoy that thing. And certainly there are people with big flashy titles who don't actually enjoy their job, who've made it their everything. But in coaching, most of us got into this I'd wager a bet that uh, because we're passionate about it. We Mm. love fitness. We want to help other people. We really enjoy that process. And so it can start to define you because you do put so much love and energy and time into it. And even, you know, when you're not actually coaching clients, you're still in the gym, connected to fitness, learning about fitness. So being efficient in that world and being able to step away from it is really important, even if you love and enjoy what you do, Mm -hmm. because do we really want to be defined by our jobs? I don't know. Maybe maybe some people do. It's a yeah. it's a challenging thing to say. I don't think I, we can say that that's right or wrong for someone. I I don't know uh, what the answer is, but yeah, I think uh, if you are completely encompassed by this one thing, if that one thing ever goes away, uh, you're kind of setting yourself up for a little failure there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the in coaching, I think it's it's a lot of coaches that that I've spoken to that have gotten out of the industry. Um, not all of them, but a lot of them, what they say is something along the lines of like the things that I learned in coaching, I will take over to my next career, right? So it's the it's the intangibles, right? And in, in anything, I think why someone's like engaged in it. Um, it's the intangible. So even if that thing is taken away, 
um, depending on what that thing is, I think you can almost fill that void or use the the fulfillment pieces that were in that in something else, you know? So in coaching, it's like, you know, I love impacting lives. I love helping other people. I love building relationships. I love having conversations with people. I love seeing others succeed. It's like, I just said those, you know, five or six things. And it's like, you can plug a bunch of different things in there. That's not just coaching, For sure. right? And you can kind of bring those over. I'm not telling everyone to get out of the coaching industry, but I'm just saying like, there has to be things around this coaching thing that you enjoy that makes you enjoy it. I don't think it's like, you know, just like dumbbell presses and bicep curls. For sure. Yeah, that might be it for me, but for most <laughs> for most people, that's probably not it. Absolutely. So those are our efficiency pros. Let's talk a little on the cons. And I think we've already like kind of bled into this a little bit through this I know, this conversation. I'm sorry. I always do this. I'm like... <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, first one would be you lose personalization. You run the risk of templating, of using that programs function and just giving every client the same workout if yeah. efficiency is the thing you prioritize over everything, right? Yeah. I hate this one. Um, I've seen this one a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this one a lot. Um, you know, call it what it is, right? If if you if you fall in this camp and you're just like templating all of your designs, like just be truthful and honest about it. Own it, right? Have a reason why you're doing it. But don't call it, um, you know, 100% complete individual design across your entire client load if that's not what you're giving. Um, yes, for sure. I'll be, I'd be the first to admit that, you know, sometimes you have one client and you have another client and they're so mirrored where you're like, you know, you're taking one client through for instance, and I do this often, actually, you're taking one client through a transition phase or a deload and you take that idea and you plug it into another client's design and you change just a couple things and it's meant to be their like transition or deload week, right? Like, let's say it's like, you want to like deload for a bit and then test, you know, a couple FMEs at the latter end of the week. I absolutely recycle some of those ideas. Um, but I'm not calling that like a, you know, eight week personalized, individualized build for that person. That's, that is what it is, right? It's like a transition deload test, whatever that thing is. Um, so yeah, this is where I think, uh, some coaches might fall, fall prey to efficiencies. I don't think most coaches are doing it, but I definitely know there's some out there that are. For sure. And as you said, it's not to say that everything you type out as a coach has to be net new like there. Oh, nothing re- will be. You, nothing will be. It, you're never going to be reinventing the wheel and you are going to see similarities between clients where similar prescriptions are appropriate for them. If you have a brand new beginner who's lacking core muscle endurance mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they struggle with external rotation on the scratch, that person and then the next beginner who comes in that resembles that, and there's a lot of them, they're probably going to be following a similar full body resistance template, but there will be pieces inside of it that are personalized to that person. The way you communicate and express it is going to be personalized to the way that person speaks. They're not just getting this template thrown on top of them because it's the fastest way yeah. for you to get the work done. Yeah. I did write this six twelve twenty five build for um, someone. If that someone's listening, they'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was the first time that this series of exercises were ever put together in a six twelve twenty five. Um, yeah, I'll leave it there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I did build something brand that new. No one's ever done. Yeah, completely and no original. Will, and no one will ever do it again, <laughs> unless that coach gives it to someone, and then it just spreads around the world. Oh, so I need, I need to get an exercise named after me. I just thought about that. What What would the hard wick be? <laughs> Or should we call it the call? <laughs> uh, something with like hip thrusts, I think. Definitely. Right? Just based on the name. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. Maybe like a hip thrust and a skull crusher at the same time or something. Oh, okay. I think it would yeah. be a combo exercise. Combo? There has to be some kind of upper body isolation that's going on yeah. while you hip thrust. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe like uh, maybe. Oh, curl might work better, incline. right? Incline. Incline. Uh-huh. Low incline. Yep. Dumbbell curl. Mm-hmm. Low incline dumbbell curl with three, no, four, because my birthday's on the fourth, four hip thrusts at the at bottom range of every dumbbell curl. Love it. So, yeah. There I'm, we go. I'm going to do that. That's the hard way. Tomorrow. I'm going to do that at home, though, so All no one right. has to see it. Oh, I thought we were going to video it. and uh, <laughs> You take the whole team through it tomorrow yeah, during definitely. our meeting. Yeah, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Perfect. I'd, I think I'd uh, get a... Uh, Fired, resigned. What did I get something? Yeah, well, you're the boss. So. I get canceled. So <laughs> you might get canceled. Georgia canceled me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on from that to con number two. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot yeah, we we're talking about yeah, efficiency. We're, we're talking about efficiency. That's an efficient uh, exercise. That really is. Saying, really some, is. What some, else do you need? Glutes and biceps. Some three. Boom. Yes. Wow. New program mm-hmm. coming your way. Glutes Anatomy and of. <laughs> All right. So loss of communication would be yeah. con number two, uh, which is fairly obvious right yeah yeah you're you're so worried about being efficient um you might want to send a, a client a quick note or a message and your timer's almost at five minutes you're like oh shit i can't send this because it's not efficient yeah. but yeah you might lose communication uh because that stuff takes time definitely definitely mm-hmm. there's no uh cheating through relationships and mm-hmm. making that stuff faster uh, I mean, there's certainly efficiencies you can use to yeah. make that process a little bit more seamless, having dedicated blocks for communication, using Loom, things like that. But at the end of the day, you still got to put time into coaching yeah. a human one-to-one. Mm-hmm. No space for creativity would be con number three. Yeah, I think this one uh, would directly kind of go with um, the, what was the pro that that this, that this connected to this? Uh uh, less overthinking it yeah. basics right yeah. so these are like almost inverse. yeah inverse they have an inverse relationship of uh you know sometimes we can get a little bit too basic mm-hmm. and too simple most times not i don't want to actually say that that's a dangerous thing to say we should actually err on the side of basic and simple but sometimes for some clients we could be too basic and too simple uh for too long a period of time um, especially as our clients become more advanced and they get more uh, experience in this thing, right? The basic and very simple stuff will stop working at some point. Um, Stick with that stuff until it stops working. But if you're so worried about efficiency and you're like, don't care, been working with this client for six years, doing the same thing, you know, doing tens and eights and sixes and just doing that forever, that stuff is not going to work, (laughs) right? Um, So we have to have space for creativity for that client. Um, again, it goes back to principles, right? A little bit, but you know, once you start to work with someone for a longer period of time, less things work as well as they did before. Absolutely. (laughs) So you got to be creative with those clients. Yeah. I feel like we should add to that no space for reflection and refinement Mm -hmm. as well, because, uh, when you're, and this is not just in coaching, but when you're in doing, doing, doing mode and all you're doing is trying to get the work done that's right in front of you. It doesn't give you that time to sit back and reflect on how are things actually going. Bigger picture, how has this client's progress been over the last year? Uh, When you're in that day-to-day, week-to-week, you can't do that. And it might prevent you from being able to pivot or make changes Mm -hmm. if things are not headed in the direction you want them to. Or if they they need to pivot, 
you're going you're you might be resistant to it yes uh because pivoting takes time absolutely right yeah and i've seen you pivot for clients you know uh i've seen clients of yours come in here and they're having a rough day or something's not quite going right and you've taken the time to go and adjust their program for them but if efficiency was your number one priority you probably wouldn't have done that yeah i'm just like free floating man i'm like i don't have a job i got no worry (laughs) in the world just taking care of my clients over here, you know? This is not true. <laughs> Carl is a busy man. <laughs> uh, no, good point, though. Less enjoyment in the process. It's just less fun if you're only focused on doing things quickly. Yeah. You don't... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that one. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you don't have time to stop and smell the roses a little bit, right? Um, we're just, like, working on that process so much that we never have time to take a peek inside of what's going on inside of that process and enjoy it. Um, you know, for an efficient coach, I think uh, an efficient coach that has a really good system, they have that stuff baked in. You know, where, where do we have that baked in? In our system, it's in consultations with our clients, right? It's in like weekly reflections and stuff like that if we give those to our clients. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, a coach with a really good system would be able to enjoy the process more in that communication and that those conversations with their clients. Um, let me ask you a question. What yeah. are, what do you most enjoy about the process of coaching a and B? When do you get to enjoy that? Yeah, I'd say the consultation process uh, yeah. just seeing like not see, it's not seeing the results on coach RX, right? Like this client got stronger. They did more pull-ups. They, improve their 10 minute assault bike like that stuff's cool but it's like actually getting the feedback from the mouth of the client like them telling you that something is different and something is working for them Mm -hmm. i love consultation yeah and that's 30 minutes a month that you cannot make more efficient uh no matter what you do what was your second part of the question uh well you answered it it was Uh, where do you enjoy that and it was the the answer answered that so it was in consultation obviously you're enjoying that in consultation what is it for you um Gosh, I think it's, I think it's putting in the time and the effort in teaching clients. And then like you get that one moment where it, uh, where it all not pays off, but it all like comes in the fruition or something like that. Right. Um, you know, I've had a couple of those over the past, you know, couple months actually where, you know, you just get like a, a little message from a client it's like you know it's just a short one and it's just like hey you know I realized x and uh, it's taken me this long to realize it and I'm doing y now and it has nothing to do with fitness I'm doing y now and um, I wouldn't have been able to do y without the conversation that we had you know eight months ago Uh, that stuff is really cool to see uh, when you really put the time and the effort and you get into like those conversations with people and then like it's done and it doesn't really come up again until it comes up again, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, so that's really cool for me. Yeah. To know that someone's been like stewing on that, they've been doing things on their own yeah. to make that thing to come to fruition, I think is, uh, it's pretty special. Like yeah. something you said to them, a conversation that you had that long ago, they've carried that through. Yeah. I actually just got a uh, message this morning. This is a different one which I actually wasn't even thinking about when, when I said that. Um, it was a message from one of my clients that just recently signed up for CCP. And um, she she sent me a really nice message of like, you know, really enjoying this process and so happy to, you know, have finally started this. I've been thinking about it for quite some time. I've had, I have zero uh, 
she had zero experience in, in coaching at all. Um, and she's just like the consultations and me actually doing this method over the past X amount of years has been invaluable uh, to starting this course and now seeing it all play out. Uh, so I read that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. That is. Yeah. So full nice circle. Yeah. Uh, what other cons? Do we have one more con? Uh, yeah, one one more. Efficiency for efficiency's sake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People that are trying to be efficient just to be efficient. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a little bit on the webinar today where it was like, there's a time and a place to be efficient. Um, and for someone, for someone that's just trying to be efficient to be efficient, they have no reason to be efficient and they might be giving a little bit less or... Uh, giving the wrong prescription or not stopping and smelling the roses or whatever the case is. They're just like, got to do it in five because, you know, this coach said they do it in five. Um, So, yeah, I think uh, coaches can kind of fall into that trap as well. Yeah, it changes the goal, right? It changes why you're doing what you're doing if you're Mm -hmm. just trying to do it as fast as possible. Obviously, you have to know what speed you have to work at to get your work done. Yeah. But once you've maintained that, like once you're in a comfortable rhythm and you know what you need to do each day to stay on top and stay on track and make sure your coach, your clients have programs, unless you're like aggressively, actively trying to grow and need space for that, like what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. It's a rat race. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really sure. is. Let's, um, let's talk about effectiveness a little bit. So some pros and cons of effectiveness. Uh, I feel like the pros are pretty obvious <laughs> for being an effective coach. Yeah. Results. Yeah, results really, uh, really, really important. Yeah. Um, this one is, this one's, you know, can be objective or subjective, right? Results. Um, I objectively got client to, you know, this body weight that they've been wanting to get to for health's sake, or objective. You know, this client said that they didn't feel good and they weren't happy because they didn't feel good, and then you got to them to a spot where they're like, I have so much energy, I feel great. Um, you know, things are, things on a day-to-day basis take a lot less energy for me to accomplish. Um, those, that's a, that's an example of a subjective, uh, you know, win or result. Um, but like always looking at those results and what results mean for each one of your clients is really important. And, uh, you have to be an effective coach to get consistent results. We can all get lucky sometimes. I've gotten lucky a bunch of times where it's just like, gosh, I didn't know you were going to get that much better. Right. Um, and it wasn't anything that I did. They just like did it. You know what I mean? You give basic stuff and your clients do it. Um, but those will happen ever so often. Um, but you have to be, you have to be a really effective coach to get consistent results with a large percentage of your client load. Not all of them. We won't all get results with every client because it's a two way street, as they say. Um, but yeah, you have to be an effective coach to get consistent results with all of your clients. Definitely. And to just feel good about your career, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're coaching or whether you're doing something else, it feels good to win. It feels good to feel like you're making an impact yeah. to see the results of what you're putting out into the universe. So if people aren't getting results, if they're not losing weight or getting stronger or getting faster or whatever they've come to you for, that feels kind of shitty. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, what is an effective coach, right? Um, we can't just say an effective coach is one that gets results, um, because we have to define, define exactly what good results are. Um, sometimes we get bad results. Um, that's why I like the idea of like, you know, coaches should just always be practicing, right? We're just like practicing this craft all the time. Um, you know, you hear the whole like doctor and lawyer thing. It's like, they don't say, yeah, I'm still working. They say, yeah, I'm still practicing. 
right? Because it's never something that they're going to have their hands wrapped all the way around where they never have to like go and like, you know, read a book on the side or make sure that they're right or, you know, read some research and kind of refresh or learn new things. Um, as coaches and effective coaches, I think they're always practicing. They never know it all, but they know enough to get their clients results, but they have to continue to practice to ensure that they're doing that continuously. Absolutely. And I mean, second to results uh, as a pro for effectiveness is just what that brings about in uh, in you as a coach, right? If you're an effective coach, you're going to have that sense of fulfillment. You're going to be prideful in your work. You're going to feel good about waking up every day to do what you mm-hmm. do. Yep. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, the fulfillment, pride, integrity, um, that's, uh, we can't compare ourselves to other coaches when we, when we think about, am I an effective coach or not? Um, because an effective coach is measured by the people that they build relationships with and the people that they're giving these prescriptions to. Uh, most coaches that do what we do, um, they coach a, a, a single individual. I know there's, there's some uh, individuals that have multiple coaches across different disciplines, but most people don't, uh, they work with one coach. So it's actually impossible to compare, you know, results that you got with your client with results that I got with my client, because those two clients are so different. What we gave them were so different. They're not like, they're not one-to-one, right? So it's, it's, it's a weird thing when a coach compares themselves to another person or another coach. I know it's human nature and we all, we're always like doing that. Like, do you know more than I know? Because even if someone's more knowledgeable, it doesn't make them a more effective or a better coach. Um, it's how you work with your people, right? Absolutely. So I think that's important for coaches to understand as well. You could be really effective without being the most knowledgeable coach. For sure. It's uh, interesting to think, think to think about because uh, looking at the results of clients as well, I think a lot of coaches look at some other coaches who are like considered leaders in the field because they have high level athletes or very high performing clients and that they think that that is a metric of them being an effective coach. The reality is for a lot of coaches that work with high level athletes, that athlete could have been really good <laughs> before they even came to work with that coach. That coach may have had a positive impact on them, but that athlete could have been successful with any number of coaches. Yeah. Uh, so I think only defining or comparing success based on coaches' clients' results mm-hmm. is also, you know, faulty. Yeah, yeah. We had this conversation. <laughs> Remember, we were like, how do you, like, what was the conversation we had before? It was something like, how do you define success? Um, how you define success. And we're talking about just like feelings. It was a bunch of subjective stuff. I think the only objective measure that we agreed on was, uh, is the client doing what you're prescribing on a consistent basis? So we just like pointed to, uh, compliance. Yes. Right. Um, that would be an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Take your client load, take that other coach's client load and compare how compliant they are to your prescription. Right. And then subjectively compare how happy they are. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a really effective coach that continually, you know, helps clients move on a consistent basis and to, you know, really think about uh, really good lifestyle things and have really good conversations and make them, uh, you know, go away and think about those things and do those things on their own. Um, that's that's probably a really effective coach. I would agree. I feel like the pros of effectiveness are obvious, but the cons of effectiveness might not be so obvious to uh, to people listening. But there mm-hmm. are some, right? Yeah. Uh, you can go too far with anything. You can eat too much broccoli. 
Uh, oh, with like gas. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, it can be a bad thing eating too much yeah. broccoli. You it know, foliate is broccoli. Need some protein in there. You'd be so fast. Very. Broccoli makes you really fast. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, it's science. Okay. You okay. No, I wouldn't. It's, it's I like I don't get that. It's over my it's, head. Yeah, it's like a high level stuff. Yeah, I don't know if anyone understands that no, except for. James actually. Yeah, James. <laughs> I don't think I understand I think James that. Would believe that. <laughs> but there are some cons of effectiveness. Yeah. Uh, moving moving beyond the broccoli thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, overthinking would be number one. Yeah, overthinking. So I think what we are trying to say here is you're attempting to be more effective. You're like, I need to be more effective. So you're like overthinking the prescription and you're over prescribing. Sorry, I'm bleeding to our next next point, but you're overthinking the prescription and you're over prescribing. Yes. So, and it's like, you're always questioning yourself and what you're doing because you have like this thing inside of you. That's like, you're not effective. You're not good enough. You're not this, you're not that. Um, and then you're, you know, sitting in front of your computer for 35 minutes and you're just like, I don't know what to do. Um, so yeah, I think that's a con of trying to be too effective. Yeah. It's not being too effective. It's trying to be too trying effective, to be too is, effective. The, is the important caveat yeah. there. Uh, what did ha- we say today? We said, just get in your reps, right? Yes. Get in a lot of reps, uh, write a lot of programs, write a lot of programs for your clients, write a lot of programs for people that don't even exist. Then you just made them up in your head, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, write down a bunch of, you know, assessment data, pieces of assessment data, some goals, and just like you know, go and build a program and coach RX in the program section and just like title it that avatar and just kind of play around with that stuff. That's getting in reps, actually coaching people and practicing writing programs and stuff like that. Um, Got to put that stuff in before you overthink it. Absolutely. The best way to get out of your own head sometimes is just to do. Yeah. Get out there, just put a, not pen to paper, but put finger to keyboard and yeah. write some programs. Yeah. Or if you want to go pen to paper. You do that and then just take a picture and upload it into CoachRx. This is true. <laughs> they can do that too. So long as it ends up in CoachRx, we're yeah, happy. Yeah. So overthinking and overprescribing. Mm-hmm. Um, on the overprescribing thing, how does that play out? Like how do you, how does a coach know that they're overprescribing? Oh, man. I think there's a couple different ways yeah. that we can, you know, come to the conclusion that we're overprescribing. Um, if obviously if, if uh, our clients aren't capable of doing what we ask them to do, yep whether that's, you know, capabilities in doing the prescriptions specifically like the exercises inside of the prescription, or if you are giving them too much on any given day, um, if you're giving them too much complexity, um, if you're, I think you can, I think you can almost over prescribe, um, cause we're, we're talking a lot about exercise, but I think some coaches might also fall in the trap of over prescribing lifestyle and like, habit building pieces. So what we say on the cohort call, it's like, you know, prescribe lifestyle to build sustainable habits, not to just check the box at the end of every day. And the difference is when you prescribe lifestyle to build uh, really healthy habits, you're prescribing to eventually not have to prescribe. When you're just checking the box, you're prescribing and you're all you're thinking in your head that will always be there. I just need them to be compliant to that thing. So that's the difference. And that's like a nuanced difference between exercise prescription and lifestyle prescription. Absolutely. You don't want your client to be dependent on ticking off. I drank 70 ounces of water today as the thing that makes them drink 70 ounces of water today. Right. Mm -hmm. That isn't the goal. Uh, That is not autonomy. And autonomy is the goal for all of our clients. (sighs) For most of them, I think. Yeah. No, I think... uh, a level of mm-hmm. autonomy is uh, is important. Um, you know, and all, what does autonomy mean, right? It's like they can do things on their own, or at least they can do some things on their own. 
um, you know, someone put in the chat box today during our webinar, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like um, the piece of equipment was taken or something like that. It was like, we we're talking about communication. It's like the client that is, you know, just standing in the gym because you're not there and the skier is taken and they have no idea what to do. So they don't do anything. That's a client that has like, you know, they're, they're level zero on autonomy. It's like, you know, you're, it's like an erg thing. Like the rower might be somewhat similar. I know it's not the same, but maybe just substitute that with the rower, right? It's like a client that can make that call and just let you know, after the fact they have a level of autonomy, right? And then there's like different levels of it. You know, it's like, what's the, what's, what's way over here. It's like, yeah, I don't need you. Let's just have a conversation on a uh, monthly basis. What's over here. It's like, I want you to do like some pushing, pulling, squatting and uh, bending on Friday. And they're like, okay, I'm going to do that. Like they're like pretty close to like, you know, optimal levels of autonomy, uh, autonomy. Uh, but there's different levels. The person that's standing there looking at the skier, they're at level zero. So we need to get that client to like level 20 pretty quick. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun for the coach yeah. or the client. Mm -hmm. uh, on over prescribing, uh, one more piece that came to mind as to like how to recognize whether or not you're doing that is can you look at what's written out for the day and know why each thing is there? Mm -hmm. And if not, you're probably over prescribing. Yeah. So you're saying just like putting exercises in to yeah. put exercises <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. You're like... A1 through AF would look really good today. Yeah. Yep. I just want them to feel like they did a lot of work. Yeah. 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 So coddling would be another con. And I mean, this kind of connects to the autonomy piece, right? But for that client who uh, doesn't know what piece of equipment to use uh, instead of the ski erg, if you were just to like not offer any education there and not, you know, support them and help them understand why it might be okay to switch out to another erg mm -hmm. that's coddling the client yeah. that's not letting that's not educating them so that they can then move on and make a better decision themselves or know what to do next time yeah agree yeah yeah i'm with you there yeah if every time you know a question comes up or an issue comes up or a challenge comes up you jump to their aid and you mm -hmm. provide the solution yeah rather than stopping taking a little bit of extra time to explain why the answer is the way it is and letting them have the solution the next yeah. time it's that old thought, like you know, we don't want to, we don't want a problem to happen twice, yeah. right? Um, I won't even say the joke, because I can't remember the the thing. It's like the, I guess I will say, it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's that? It's like, uh, who was it? It was George Bush. What he was like, there's like the the song. I forgot who's who sings the song. I don't know where this is going. But they put it like in the middle of the song. He's like, fool me once, and you remember that. That speech that George Bush gave when no. he was uh, in office. No. Oh, he just made an absolute fool of himself. Sorry for George Bush fans. I don't hate George Bush. It was just a funny. Uh... Yeah. But he was like on the podium. He's like, uh, there's an old saying in, in Texas, but I think it's here in Tennessee as well because he wasn't in Texas. Yeah. He's like, fool me once. Shame on. Fool me twice. <laughs> don't get shamed again. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube video off. I remember, this. yeah, I remember watching that. Uh, I think I watched it on like the news or something back then. And I was just like dying because I was just like, because he's like the dude that you would expect to just like fall apart in a situation like that. Yep. And uh, he did. Well, but uh, yeah, sorry. Where that came from was when you said like the coddling thing and it's like, you know, take the time to explain um, so that thing doesn't happen again. Yes. Right. So if you fool me twice, <laughs> shame on, 
You can just play that clip <laughs> to your clients yeah. and they'll get it. Yeah, that'll be good. They'll get it. I had one more thing for coddling and I've totally forgotten what it was, but I feel like it was really good. So I'll come back to it okay. if I remember what it was. Uh, next one, next con of effectiveness, inability to grow client load. So you, uh, you're so effective. You're taking so much time per client. You just can't fit any more in. Yeah, you're like... Uh, you're on that other. You're on the other side of uh, efficiency. Yes. You're very non-efficient, and uh, you're worried too much about being overly effective. Um, yeah, you're not going to be able to uh, grow that client load because of the same reasons we pointed out in efficiency, right? You're not going to be able to coach more clients at the same less, definitely not less time. It's going to be more, a lot more time if you're spending a lot of time with each one of your clients because you're so focused on. I need to be as effective as possible. Absolutely. And then the final point is burnout, right? You're just trying so hard to uh, give every client the perfect program. You're pouring so much love and energy and time into it. That takes its toll, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, on the one side, you're going to hit burnout if you can't grow a client load and make a sustainable living and look after your basic needs. On the other hand, if you care so much and you're not practicing detached caring where you're not like invested in every client's successes and failures and everything in between, uh, all of those things might be, you know, traps you fall into if you're trying to be the most effective coach, but there's burnout at the other side of those. Yeah, burnout and resentment from like resentment I, I saw this so much when I was in the gym owner world but resentment from like the thing that you used to love so much where it's just like I poured so much into this thing like I can't even stand to look at it anymore I'm just so tired of it um it's like eating the same food every day right you're just like I used to love that thing but I just like I overdid it right I like ate it way too much doesn't never happen with like chicken rice and broccoli and stuff like that. But uh, you kind of, you know what I mean? Like you find a sauce that you like yep. and you just have it every day. Yep. Day in, day out, every meal. Eventually you're just like, yeah, no, I'm good. That's what happened to uh, hard boiled eggs for my husband, Jacob. Mm. Uh, I sent him to work. Is Jacob your husband? He is. Know <laughs> for the listeners. Oh, I don't okay, want to just okay. say Jacob oh, for okay, the listeners okay. who might not know. Got it. But, I, I didn't know uh, if you had a different Jacob in No, he's, he's my main Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> main squeeze he's the only one i've ever made lunch for uh but i would send him to work <laughs> you said that sentence i thought you were gonna say something completely different um but that's okay lunch packed yeah. lunch i would send him to work with three hard-boiled eggs a sweet potato and half an avocado and uh he was like super happy with that at the time it was like we were he was fairly new to like healthy eating like a packed mm -hmm. lunch so it was simple food yeah and he took that every day and every week i'd ask him do you want something different for next week because i'd be like making myself chicken curry and yeah, like yeah. fun different things and he'd be like no i'm happy with this and one day he comes home and he's like i can't ever eat a hard-boiled egg again <laughs> <laughs> and he has not eaten a hard-boiled egg i love that then. you started that and you said i sent him to work like i <laughs> I, <laughs> I picture like the morning rush of like getting kids out of the house it's like Georgia wakes up. She's like, damn it, Jacob, brush your teeth. All right. Did you shower? Do do your hair, Jacob. I asked you to do your hair. Did you make the bed? Did you make the bed? Then you just throw that little baggie at him and you're yep. just like, There's your there's your uh chicken or your uh boiled egg and your sweet avocado. Potato and and your avocado. Sweet potato, yeah. <laughs> Sending them to work. Yeah, well, I actually shot myself in the foot with that one because uh I like a whole boiled egg, but we can't have them anymore. Mm. I can have them. Yeah, you can we don't eat them, them together. Yeah. You have yeah. them here sometimes. Yeah, I do. I had them this morning. There we go. Anyway, that's right. enough on hard. hard I, I have a really hard time saying hard-boiled egg, by the way. It's okay. That's a tough one for me. It's like saying <laughs> Carl. 
It's, it's really a weird tough. Ca- ca- I have to work hard for Carl. 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 Just call me Cal. Cal. Just yeah. say Cal. That's what it is. Hey, Cal. If I stay true to my Aussie accent, but I, I do my best to <laughs> Don't conform. hang with you Americans. Don't conform. <laughs> so wrapping it up, let's, uh, let's talk about where efficiency and effectiveness might fit into the timeline of being a coach because there's a time and place for everything, right? Yeah. What does that look like? Um, yeah, I think uh, we could just think about, you know, where are you at in your coaching life cycle um, and what characteristics are most important throughout that, right? Um, you know, if we're in that technician stage and we're just getting started or we're like a year in into doing this thing, uh, efficiency is probably not priority there, right? Effectiveness and learning and getting reps is probably priority there. So it might be necessary to spend... 20 minutes per program per week to give an effective program that might be necessary and that actually might be beneficial to you like spending some time in there and for your client and what they're getting on the other side once you get into that like uh you know craftsperson uh stage i call it craftsperson shouldn't i just say craftsman i think craftsperson is more politically correct all right once you're in that craftsman stage (laughs) um (laughs) you uh no i'm kidding um well, I guess I'm not because I said it. Um, once you're in that stage, maybe you start thinking about how can I be a little bit more efficient here because I want to build my craft. I want to scale this practice up. I want to do this and that. Um, so I think it they start to meet after you have spent some time in that technician stage. Uh, timelines, I have no idea, right? Technician, let's say zero to three years, right? Craftsperson, um, see, I said it, uh, you know, three to eight years. I don't know. Right. Master. Yeah. You're probably never going to get there. So you're just continuing that path of being a craftsperson. So yeah. I mean, once you get in that craftsperson stage, I think, uh, we're starting to think about, you know, how can, how can I blend these two together really, really effectively? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to measure in terms of exact timeline, just like training ages because someone's, uh, exposure to number of training sessions, contractions inside, like actual, like decent work mm-hmm. over five years could be very different to the next person. Someone yeah. could have trained for five years and be a complete novice. Yeah. Whereas another person could have trained for five years and like be approaching advanced. So yeah, for uh, sure. it's all relative. Right? It is. It just it depends is. on, you know, how quickly that person uh, develops. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen coaches that just get into it and they're just like, they're just really good. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good. They're really good with people. They are really good at retaining the information. Um, usually these coaches have done it, right? Like they've had a coach that have coached them for an amount of time or they have a lot of experience doing those things um, all by themselves. So they have like a better level of context um, getting into coaching. So I've seen some of those and then I've see, seen some that are just like dumpster fires when they start. They're just like, I don't know what to do. I'm learning a completely new language. Yeah. So, yeah. You do you. Take the time you need. Do you, boo? Let's That's talk. What they say, right? I think it is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who they are. They they is, but they are. Maybe it's me. Maybe I am they. You say ooh. <laughs> ooh, yeah, that was big, right? <laughs> Too much. Matrix is almost coming out, so <gasps> I have to get into that. Exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about signs that it might be time to move from focusing on effectiveness and looking at efficiency. Like what are some of the characteristics and feelings that a coach might have where it's like, okay, I'm no longer a coaching novice. I'm a little further down this uh, yeah. life cycle stage. I'm into that like craftsperson with the goal of one day working towards mastery. How, how do I know it's time to be more efficient? Yeah. 
get results with your clients, you build confidence. Um, well, and that same thought, uh, you may need a nudge to move forward a little bit to, you know, really build that confidence. But, um, yeah, you're getting results. Your clients are staying. Um, you feel that feeling of like, you know, everything's like, it's a good place to be when you're designing training programs and having consults, like you're in that flow state and you, and you start to really enjoy doing those things because it's a challenge to you. Um, and you're good at them, right? Yeah. If we're good at something and it's, you know, challenging, uh, it's like a back and forth. It's a game, right? Um, so if you start to feel those things, um, and obviously you want to grow your client load, maybe start thinking about, uh, efficiency. Um, you know, if you don't want to grow your client load and you want to charge $1,500 per month for 15 people, 10 people, you could probably get away with 10 people with that. Um, yeah, who gives a shit about efficiency? Just continue to be effective. Absolutely. For coaches going into CCP, are most of them, like most of the people graduating, finishing up with their case studies, the focus would be on effectiveness at that point. Do you Absolutely. get some people yeah. who are in the efficiency stage? Yeah, we do. Um, because they've done it. Yeah. Yeah. We get we get a lot of coaches with zero experience, as you know, obviously. Um, but we also get some that have a lot of experience in coaching. And, you know, when we get to like the latter ends of, of uh, CCP, they're just like, you know, they're asking those questions on like, how do I scale the business I already have that I've had for eight years? What are some things I need to think about to be more efficient, especially in this model, because I'm just learning this model. But I get it. I get what I get what you guys are saying. I'm on board, right? Like the past 12 weeks were, uh, you know, I was lockstep with everything that was said. Um, so yeah, it's, it's mostly based on experience, just Absolutely. like what we talked about. Yeah. I mean, uh, CCP, we're enrolling a cohort right now. So if a coach is thinking about uh, getting started and upgrading their, their coaching skill set in the new year, we'll have that January 2022 cohort getting started Jan 12th. But I think we'll be closing enrollment uh, about a week or so after this episode goes. So guys, if it is something that you want to do, now is the time to go ahead and enroll. But throughout that process, maybe you are the coach that knows effectiveness is a priority for you. Maybe you're the coach that needs to work on a little bit of efficiency. Yep. Those things are both built in, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're focused on knowledge and principles and everything behind being an effective coach. But we're also focused on setting coaches up from day one to be able to be efficient and to have systems in place and practicing with case studies inside of Coach RX and getting your feedback and James's feedback from that, I think is invaluable for growing in both of those areas. So I guys, concur. I concur. Do it. Go to the description. Yeah, do it. Click the link. Apply to CCP. We'd love to see you on the Jan cohort. Uh, Carl will be there for sure. You know I'll be here <laughs> unless I get fired or canceled. Let's not do that. <laughs> no, we don't no, want I'll that be there. to happen. I'll be there. Well, guys, uh, appreciate you I'll listening I'll in. Sneak in. Yes, we'll allow you. Sneak in the Zoom. <laughs> Just in the back room of, uh, back, back, uh, ground of James's picture. Hey guys, hey guys, remember me? <laughs> As always, like, subscribe, leave us a review. We appreciate that stuff and we'll see you next week. See you next week.